0: the glue guys this is my care say hello brian <laughs> that's too much
1: that's too much hello that is too we, we agreed to be high energy because it's it's early for us but that you may have, sho- you may have shot the moon on that one
0: at bk glue guys on twitter netsdaily.com oh, almighty wow. baller brian
1: wow Quarter of a way, quarter of a way into an iced coffee. This is Mike Smeltz here,
0: <laughs> shirtless uh, too. Day old iced coffee too, with the
1: with the sun beating off his chest. Um, <laughs> <pause>. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, we're fired up. What a win! Hey, are the Nets back or what? I missed the game last night. No, um, the Nets are back, Brian. What a game! What a phenomenal a beautiful culmination of everything the nets have been building just I'll just say over the past few seasons just like this this slog that they've been going through there's some concept out there that the nets have turned the corner uh you know I that is almost premature just because we don't know what's coming for the rest of the season there's still another half of the season left but twitter not only nets twitter but basketball twitter writ large was commenting positively unanimously about the nets that game was one of the best games most enjoyable games to watch that we've had over our what five years we've been doing this pod brian the nets are back let me ask you let me pose a a, uh
1: skip bayless ian question to you oh please yeah is this travion graham's team is this is, (laughs) (laughs) is this um you really you really went out on a limb yesterday or two days ago, whatever it was, and uh, and I, you know, I pressed you as hard as I could press you on behalf of people like Eves <laughs> Darboos and uh, you know and others on Net's Twitter who are you know not part of the Graham fam for sure. And um, and you you stuck it out. You held your ground. You stuck to your guns. And now look at you. You're glowing. You've, <laughs> you're shirtless. Things are headed your way. Um, look, look at that meaty arm, Brian. That
0: meaty, fleshy arm, Brian. The Nets that, are back.
1: Is that the grand breakout game that we can start expecting? <laughs> like, is that is this going to be part of the? I'm pretty the sure they
0: can reliably expect him to <laughs> score 20 points a game. I think that's yeah. a, a reasonable expectation. Um, I'm I'm going to be earnestly taking credit for this. I was the <laughs> only boy. So wow! Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I'm earnestly also accepting that. that um, yeah. I was the only voice within the Nets universe supporting Travion Graham besides Kenny Atkinson and Sean Marks. Even his own teammates had turned their back on Travion Graham. <laughs> um, the only but I, people. Yeah. I was in, again, as you said, hashtag Graham fam. I was in the Graham fam corner. I am the mayor of Graham fam land and Travion Graham was a difference, the difference, may I say. <laughs> No, not really, but almost kind of in that Rockets game. You could argue that, you know, he did let uh, James Harden score 58 points and he was guarding him for a lot of the game. But um, it wasn't an easy 58, Brian. Not (laughs) an easy 58. We really sweated out that that 58 for sure. I I know this is not where we want to begin, but um, and I know this has been said a million times before on the Internet's. It's not fun to watch James Harden, especially when he's playing against your team, Brian. Dude,
1: I actually I had a, sort of an epiphany when watching this, <clears throat> which is like, you know, there's all those memes about James Harden ruining the game and so on and so forth. And when you're sort of on the fringe of the NBA, like, you're, you know, your emotional investment pretty far removed, like it's been for the last couple of years, now that I'm watching these games with, with a you know, with a passion, with, you know, a goal towards getting that W, it is infuriating watching that dude. It is so, I like, if I had to, if I were, you know, in the Western Conference playing that guy four times a year or, or in a playoff series with him, it would drive me berserk. He is so annoying to watch.
0: Well, and what's good is that it does change in the playoffs that, like, so the refs that he play when he plays in, like, let's say a seven-game series, whatever, best of four, that... That sort of the way he plays basketball does change. It's different. He gets called differently in the playoffs. How he plays is different, how the other teams plan because they're seeing him, you know, over a two week period every, you know, every other night. It is different. Um, yeah. But it is super stressful to watch, uh, particularly when Spencer Dinwiddie's on your team and Dinwiddie's prone to, you know, complain at the refs about whatever call mm-hmm. was called against him. It's just not a fun watch, and it's impressive and startling how much he can control the game. I think there's some stat out there that, like, he all of his points he scored in the past two games, right. he hasn't been... None of been, them was, were
1: assisted. Yeah. None
0: of them were assisted. It's all self-created, which is incredible, and he was amazing, it's, and I can it's, appreciate him, but I just don't... It's not fun to watch when your team is down by whatever it was, seven points or six points with 30 seconds left, and he's doing things... That, you know, are just like, there's no defense against him besides doing, besides doubling him. And I still think that pass that he made to Austin Rivers, what was it? Would that have been the last shot of the, the regulation? Um, I don't think he should have made that pass. Even though Austin Rivers is wide open and he's guarded by two guys, I, w- I would still rather have James Harden shooting that ball as opposed to, like, Austin Rivers wide open. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um... Yeah, like, as a person that has, like, sort of a whatever passing interest in kind of, like, game game design and game mechanics and stuff, it's really interesting what he's doing, which is basically, like, p- playing this metagame where he's just kind of, like, dialoguing with the refs the whole time. He's he's playing this, like, this three-dimensional mahjong where he's got, um you know, <clears throat> like, everything that he does is with, like, an eye towards this, like, cognitive bias exchange with him and the refs. Like, like if, each and every cut he makes, like, he does this, like, little give-and-go play all the time, which is, like easily one of the most triggering things i've ever seen for me it's just like, like he'll do a little like a quick um back and forth pass with like whoever's at the top of the key with him um and then he'll stop on a dime and not get the pass back right he, did, he just goes like the give he goes stops so that his defender's on his hip and like they have like the little minimal like oops i'm not trying to like run into you contact that he sells flies out like he's been blasted and that's it that's the whole play it's, it's just a play designed to draw the foul it's amazing
0: it, it 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 is informative to watch the rockets being a nets fan because you like spencer dinwiddie likely won't become an mvp candidate like james harden is but like it's obvious that spencer's modeled a lot of his game after what james harden's doing because all all dinwiddie does at this point is drive try to get fouled he does all those little tricky things that you're talking about that harden does like so well and is a master at or dinwiddie shoots the 3 And, man, it was – I mean, we've seen Dinwiddie hit big shots before, but, like, sort of the consecutive nature of the two threes at the end of regulation and then, like, Nets being down by, what was it, seven in overtime and then still coming back to win and Dinwiddie being the main, you know, part of that sort of comeback, even in overtime. It's like – so – we were remember it was like a month ago. We were stressing about whether he would sign the extension and whether he was justified to have the extension. And it's just been a month, so like a lot can obviously happen to whether see if he justifies this contract. But like, it, it's just it's incredible already that 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 signing looks as good as the Joe Harris signing was and is now, um, as good as the Ed Davis pickup. Like, Marks has just been on this hot streak ever since the, the, you know, frankly the the bad crab trade where like every move that he has made has basically been flawless um and and Dinwiddie signing the extension you know beneficial for both sides but like Dinwiddie was incredible last night against a team that you know the Rockets have aren't full strength obviously they were playing some dude named Clark at center mm-hmm. and then some guy named Nunali at Another position. Oh, dude, don't don't do this.
1: You're playing right into the national media's hands here. You're doing exactly <laughs> no. what they always do.
0: <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying,
1: like the, they've got some guy like Isaiah Hartenstein. They're like who are these well, people? You know, we are Rodions Kurikis and Travion Graham because all of our guys are hurt all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I obviously I love Isaiah Hartenstein. We both liked him in the draft when he was coming out. How could we not have liked him? Um, I'm not. No. I'm, and like. As undermanned, quote undermanned, the Rockets could have been. They still have what is Harden's the rating MVP, and maybe at this point he's you know if not the MVP, then second you're, place behind you Giannis. Just, you're depending not on to
1: say they're undermanned in comparison to the Nets, they're not.
0: They're they're manned similarly. You know, we're both undermanned. <laughs> they're both they're both on ships crossing the Atlantic, and like yeah. neither of them have a mast. One of them yeah. has like one cannon, the other one has an anchor, and they're just trying to figure out who can like crash first. Yes, but. The Nets are 500, Brian, and in like the grand scheme of the NBA, yes, 500 is not that big of a deal, but the Nets are 500 after going on, what was the losing streak? What was the losing streak? Eight game, an eight-gamer. Karis LeVert not being in there. They have the hardest remaining schedule in the NBA, but actually, this next eight games, and I can bring it up in a sec, these next eight games are, are pretty cushy. They played the Magic. Don't don't say that because that was what we said the last eight games we lost.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was those are supposed to be wins.
0: The Magic they play the Magic three times over the next eight games. Not that the Magic are bad, but that's a team that you know it's twice in Orlando, once in Brooklyn. Okay, they play the Knicks at home, the Bulls at home. Um, I think they play some other like not that good team at home. They play the Spurs on the road.
1: Kings at on Martin Luther
0: King. Kings on Martin Luther King. So the Kings are pretty good. So, the Kings are, are as relevant, but that game's at 3.30, which is a yeah. weird time for a West Coast team to be playing basketball, right? <laughs> That's their so, advantage. The strategic advantage. Yes, yeah. strategic. They're they're entering this, like, cushy part of the schedule. Just these eight games where, yes, they play the Spurs, and I think they play one other good team. Let me just pull it up. Why, not? Why am I even trying to read this off the top of my head? Oh, they play Boston on the road, which, you know. You would imagine Boston would be pretty motivated after what happened in, at Barclays. There's some games there to be had. There's a, a stronger than less likely possibility that the Nets are going to continue to be 500, if that a little bit better, over these next eight games, getting closer to the All-Star break. Brian, we're here. We're here. We're We in the Valley of the Sun. We've made it. We've made mm. it. The Nets are relevant. The Nets um, are legitimately relevant they're not just like a cute story they're not like that netflix movie set it up where it's like a cute movie and it's not like not that big of a hit but like a lot of people have seen it and they enjoy it no they are i don't know who to even compare they're the lord of the rings franchise brian they're a massive player <laughs> in the grand scheme <laughs> of the nba wow yeah wow. that's maybe too that's far. that's <laughs> that's too far <laughs> Smeltz truly
1: does live in the year 2003 um <laughs> the <laughs> The, uh, uh, I, I want to read an email, um, Please. of a, uh, mea culpa email. A lot of mea culpa being going on a lot of golden crow being feasted on this morning. <laughs> um, especially from Triboy Tom winner, you may remember, uh, wrote in a scathing email about Triboy Travion Graham. And, um, and like wants to say loser, this. loser.
0: Am I right? Wants.
1: <laughs> Got him. Just um, never heard that before That's nailed weird. him. Get the body bags. Tom. Um so Tom writes, I would like to rescind this email, but thanks for reading it on the pod. My name really is Tom. Um a classic email <laughs> from <laughs> from Tom <Winter>. Um <clears throat> but they're they're rescinding their um their their trivial and criticisms and droves now. So you've you've started something here, Smells.
0: You've really started a trend. Um and am you know, obviously he's not <laughs> score twenty points a game or whatever it was, but like it It is extremely telling, one, about what the Nets think about Trayvon Graham, that I think he got, like, the third most minutes last night. Crazy minutes distribution, if you look at the box score, what is it, Jared Allen got, like, 43 minutes in that game? Um, yeah. And it was one of the first times that I think I saw Jared Allen sort of, like, he, he's obviously been impressive, and he's had, like, really good games, and maybe this wasn't necessarily his best game and the Houston Rockets did not have a center. Understand all that. But it was like the first time where he really took advantage and continued to take advantage of having the size mismatch. 24 rebounds has to be a career high, or whatever he had. Um It was the it was it was like an impressive showing by him because if he doesn't produce at that level, they're not going to win the game. Because he had the advantage of the entire game. It was that You know, he was rolling to the rim, no one was even close to him. It was embarrassing how much how easy it was for him just to to dunk at the rim with like no one even contesting. Um, it was nice to see that Jared Allen does have that switch in him of that, like, no one else is out here, I'm just gonna dominate in this game down low. And he played 43 minutes, which for a center is insane. Um, Travion Graham, bro, seven for mm-hmm. nine, 21 points. <clears throat> Love it. Five assists. Or no, five rebounds, zero assists. Um, what else stood out to you? What else what? What else stood out to you throughout this game? What, you just watched it back recently. Anything stand out overall? Um...
1: No, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, th- don't stop doing that. Why do you get, what is oh, that Oh, sorry. <laughs> that, there's
0: just, it's not going to surprise you. There's spit on my screen, so I don't oh, it off because I'm yelling you're, so you're much. You're
1: foaming at the mouth. No, I got no other hot takes. I mean, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> as to your point, those those back, the constant backdoor cutting is a thing of beauty. Um, I think we're, you know, we're just really locking in our, you know, as as I think it was like Zach Lowe and Bill Simmons often say, like, if you don't have a thing that you can say about this, like about a team, like you're, they're a little bit lost. Like the narrative about this team is becoming very clear. We're this, this like overachieving, like you know, dogged. We're like you know, Rocky Balboa style, always beat up, but like never say die. Um, and then also like in terms of just the X's and O's, completely bifurcating into just drives and just threes, like the most aggressive analytics based approach potentially in the NBA. Um, only a close comparison would be the Houston Rockets, who uh, defer mostly to the threes and less to the to the pounding of the paint that we do. Um, it's just like it's becoming clear what this team's going to be, you know, and it's so exciting to see that maturation process these days,
0: Smelts. And and it's also like, what well, was it incredible about this game, and it's really, you know, I really do obviously hope that the Nets continue on this path because. The bugaboo about the Nets this season was that they couldn't close out games. I mean, this is the most obvious thing in the world. They had what was it like four or five devastating losses, losses that they should not have had. And obviously, now if if they could have had those games back, it, they would be like they would be contending against the Celtics and the Pacers for you know four or five, you know four three whatever in the standings. But mm. this was a game. You, see, you saw Boston beat Toronto last night. Yeah. And did you see the Kyrie comments after the game? No. So, um, and Bill Simmons and Zach, so <clears throat> Zach Lowe came on Bill Simmons' podcast and they talked about this, This, not these comments specifically, but Kyrie had called out his younger teammates before. And Kyrie, after the game, apologized not only to his younger teammates for saying that publicly, but also apparently called LeBron to, apo- not apparently, he did, he called LeBron to apologize for how he he acted in Cleveland, saying that, you know, that as a young player, he didn't Mm. understand sort of the pressure that it is to be, like, the man Mm. on the team, and he wanted to apologize to LeBron about that, which, one, it's incredible that he brought up that he called LeBron. So I don't want to, like, I don't want to blast him at all really about doing that but because like by publicly saying that I appreciate that honesty. But it is mm-hmm. funny how he brings that up and then he says, you know, he apologized to his own teammates for saying things publicly because what he Kyrie said he's like, you know, I've been on teams where things have been said publicly and it's not the best way to get the most out of the group. What he's saying there is that he is LeBron is saying things had said things publicly in Cleveland and He's essentially criticizing LeBron for how he acted in Cleveland, but he had also apologized LeBron to LeBron for the way Kyrie acted in Cleveland. And he's also sort of like, he's apologizing enough and blaming enough to where it looks like, you know, he looks good from all sides. He's explaining why he did certain things from all sides. And, but he took the blame. So I appreciate that. Um. There was an interesting storyline that was about to develop before he started apologizing to his teammates was that maybe Kyrie is in play as a free agent and that maybe Boston isn't the place that he definitely 100% wants to be because obviously he said before the season began, he said like in a meeting of season ticket holders in Boston that I'm going to be back next season. Next season meaning 2019-2020, meaning that he's going (laughs) to sign with the team. Now... Because Boston, there's like an uneasiness. The team hasn't really figured itself out. Uh, Kyrie has again publicly called out his teammates, and there had seemed to be some like weird feelings between the rest of the team that maybe Kyrie is back in play as a free agent, which of course matters very much to the Nets because, well, they don't really need a point guard at this point. But if you can get Kyrie Irving, you'd probably want to get Kyrie Irving, especially if interest in coming. To the Nets. I don't know, man. He's he's li-
1: he's kind of living a sloppy life for me right now. This he's like it's a little chaotic with Kyrie these
0: days. Isn't that weird that we're? Oh. Don't you? I feel this legitimately. Okay, that the Nets are now the vibes are so good that mm. Nets fans can almost justifiably say, you know, we don't need Kyrie Irving or Jimmy <laughs> Butler. Yeah. We don't need. I them. mean, in the world of like, if okay, if
1: we're gonna say like. The the Jimmy Butler Kyrie thing is a package, and the Kevin Durant thing is its own. Like I immediately want like Kevin Durant over those two guys. Like oh for sure,
0: but I think if you if you got Kyrie, that would actually get you Kevin Durant. Like I think so.
1: Yeah, I I thought I thought it was like him and Jimmy Butler were like trying to pull the strings together to 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 play in the same team.
0: The the one guy that like Kevin Durant praises the most in the NBA that aren't his teammates is Kyrie Irving. He continually talks about how amazing of a player Kyrie is. He puts it up puts Kyrie's skill level up there with like the greatest players of all time. And he talks about it all the time. And I'm pretty sure they're they're friendly. Um if the Nets could acquire Kyrie Irving, that may, I, that would make the Nets much more attractive for Kevin Durant. Well, now, if you can't get both, you'd have to you'd have to trade Alan Crabb and Maybe even Joe Harris. Like, you'd have to – because Alan Crabb itself I don't think gives you enough cap space uh, to do it. Maybe it does. But you would need to, like, make some moves to then fit both in. In reality, Uh, is that going to happen? No. I'm trying not to get ahead
1: of myself, but since we spoke about the uh, um, Dinwiddie-Durant thing, I saw two more articles from, like, one from Sports Illustrated uh, that was, like, a video and another one I forget. That were like you know, hey, like forget about the Knicks. How about the Nets for Kevin Durant? Just I'm beginning to see the media rumblings about you know laying the groundwork for something like this happening for for us invariably to get our hearts broken and him end up in the Knicks. Um, but like the, that's the, it's an important moment where the media narrative starts to be like, oh, this is a, a like the, the educated take is why not look at Brooklyn? Um, well, yeah, <laughs> and
0: so if you look at the NBA standings, which I'm I'm continually tracking to obviously see where the Nets are. Uh, within that, and, like, I think there's... Isn't that
1: fun? It's the first time in so long that I've had to do that. It's so good. I I feel like I'm catching up with the league again.
0: Well, and there's no tension. That's the thing about it now is that now that they're 500 and the East is, the East, like, middle to bottom is not that good. The Nets are the best team of the middle to bottom, at least right now in the season. Like, when they were, like, kind of, like, floating between, they had, like, three losses below 500, and that was, yeah, there's some tension there, but, like, I'm looking at them now. They have two more wins than Miami Heat. The Nets are 23 and 23. They're in the sixth seed. At one point, ESPN for some reason had them in the seventh seed. When my like, they're both 500, but the Nets have more wins. They have two more wins, so they are they are the sixth seed. That's how it would work right now. Mm-hmm. There's just no tension. I don't. I mean, it's not a lock. Is it? Well, I'll ask you. Percent chance is it a lock that they're going to make the playoffs? What are your feelings like? Do you feel like? yeah they're probably gonna make the playoffs what are you thinking
1: i feel pretty confident at this point um i'm also wondering like why is it that they've played three more games than everybody like i feel (laughs) like (laughs) how (laughs) anyways um yeah i don't know it's just like there's i mean obviously like just like the positivity juju but also like sort of the identity about this team it's just like they have such a clear goal for doing it like it's the most motivated of those kind of crummy teams like everybody else is sort of like i guess we'll do it you know um, whereas the <laughs> yeah. Nets, whereas the Nets are like all about it, you know, um, and yeah, I, I, well, it feels like for a variety of reasons that that's the case. Go ahead.
0: And it comes from the players. So like the Pistons really want to make the playoffs, but it, and I I think and Blake Griffin's been playing really well this season, but like Reggie Jackson's weird and Andre Drummond's weird, and th- that whole team is kind of a mess. The Hornets have all these terrible contracts, and they're all veterans, so I'm like I'm sure they're all motivated, but. I imagine they're they're disappointed in their own season. The Heat is just a completely strange team. They play really hard. They've been devastated by injuries from their point guard position. Um they got and-
1: Justice Winslow running point now. What's that? They have like Justice Winslow playing point now. He's,
0: he's like yeah. 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 It's it's sort of an insane um so what they're going through. Like the Nets entire franchise is pointed towards like we want to get to the playoffs so badly. We want to make this season worth something big. Mm-hmm. You know, I really hate because I know this is going to bite. Come back to bite us, but I like. I feel so confident in this team oh. because I don't know. Like, unless if a, if another devastating string of of injuries happens to the team, which could happen to any team, I don't know what else could happen to this team that would make it um, not. Like that would make it play worse than it did during that eight-game losing streak, right? Yeah. Like, I mean,
1: look at who's in. I mean, Detroit in ninth place is five games under 500. At this point, do you feel like it's like we're headed towards a under 500 season? Doesn't doesn't feel like it to
0: me. Well, and even if it's like it could be like 40 and 42, right? Or like, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, cl- like or significantly
0: below 500. I should say. Right. And I think basically, you know, I forget. I, I had the stat earlier this the season, but like. It's something like to just be the 8th seed in the East over the past 10 years, you needed to basically win 38 games, 38 and a half, something like that, which obviously is below 500. So, and this season, it's not going to be any different. I mean, the Hornets are 20 and 23 in the 8th seed. And again, the, what could happen, I mean, even if like Dinwiddie or D'Angelo Russell get hurt for some amount of time, Lavert is going to be coming back and they actually have Shabazz Napier who played pretty well in this Houston game uh last night. Mm-hmm. So I just there's this team is so deep. Now now what will happen, and I don't want to put a damper on things, is that the Nets are the best example of like a team built for the regular season because of the depth. Once they get to the playoffs, it's gonna be different. The way they're gonna play yeah,
1: Well nobody cares about actually doing anything in the playoffs. No, That's the thing. No. Who cares? Want, yeah. Who
0: cares? Just getting their just getting there and playing.
1: If we can steal two games off of, like, you know, Indiana or Milwaukee or something, that's that's a win.
0: Let's you know? do this. Let's promise our listeners that in, in February, the first part of February, whenever that is, it'll probably be around the trade deadline. Yeah, it is. Um, we will do which of the top teams do you most want to see in a playoff season? Which do you least want to see? Because that's becoming a question, Brian. It's like – because – not that the nets have a sh- really necessarily a shot against Milwaukee or Toronto maybe not the pacers but I, well, we'll just have to th- start thinking about that possibility. Yeah. Um, I mean and
1: this like also we it's it's too soon to have this conversation but I'm excited <laughs> to in maybe a year from now have a conversation just about how overblown not overblown because I have to choose my words carefully here but for the Boston Celtics to be um like four games ahead of us is standing, probably staring down maybe a first round exit against someone like the seventy sixers. Um and for all of the hullabaloo about how like, you know, how like D- Danny Angel's genius and like how we got completely taken for a ride on this trade and four years later they have to show for it is, you know, being not on equal footing, but depending on what Kyrie Irving does this summer, it could be a pretty perilous situation for them, you know. Um, and this goes into my basic my, my basic philosophy about basketball, GMing. You can only really be bad for four years. It, it's hard to stay bad. Even if you cough up all of your picks in the way that we did, it's hard to stay bad like <clears throat> unless you continue to make those problems over and over again.
0: Well, I've been waiting to unveil this premonition that a friend of mine had, and I think now is the moment because it's all sort of coming together, this perfect storm. I was at my friend's birthday party in Cape Cod, in the summer, okay? It's a big party. Her family has like three different people in her family have a birthday. At the same time in the summer, they have a band come out. It's a big affair, okay? My friend's sister's boyfriend is a massive Celtics fan. Big NBA guy, okay? He came up to me. He knows I have a Nets pod. You know, I, I, he knows that I'm the host of the most listened to Nets pod on the internet. And he came up to me, and he said I had a dream. I said what was it? He said to me, I dreamt ESPN was showing that Kyrie Irving had signed with the Nets, okay? That was his dream. This was before mm. Kyrie said he was definitely going to sign with the Celtics again, which now may not happen. He had this dream and he was sweating as he came up to me, he was stone stone cold <laughs> faced white. It it was like he'd woken up immediately mm. from this dream. Um he. Had, this is a true story. He. He's been waiting for me to talk about it on the podcast ever since he told me it, and I just hmm. keep forgetting. But this happened. Well, it's a good story, and it and it suggests a lot. And and <laughs> what did the karma gods? Okay, and the nets have only themselves to blame for the the. Of course, the Car- Garnett Pierce trade. Only themselves. A lot of hubris went into that to make that deal. You know, Prokhorov pushing for them to include more into the deal to get this massive package so that when they go to Brooklyn or you know whatever that they'll be awesome. We all know sort of the parameters around it, so maybe not there's not exact karma, but like karma's been pretty good for the Celtics that the nets have been so bad since that deal and they've just they've just pilfered off of that mm-hmm. It would be karmic, pretty karmic that if as the Celtics are ascending and reaching their peak because of this Nets trade and all their young players are adding off of the Nets trade, that their best player rises and then leaves their team to go to the team that they had pilfered. Wouldn't that mm. be... That would be perfectly karmic if Kyrie <laughs> left to go to the Nets at the exact moment when the, when the Celtics thought that they would be peaking. And it's actually the Nets who are peaking. That'd be and,
1: perfect. And Kyrie is probably a pretty karmically minded bro i mean if anyone's if anyone can do it it's it's it could be him he seems pretty unpredictable could be a very accurate premonition who knows mike um do you have anything else you want to touch on news around the league
0: anything anything
1: pressing anything on your mind
0: i had the Kyrie news i want i just want to go through my notes to make sure i give full credit to everything of course i mean you know rocket shot the 73s last night nba record which is insane (laughs) dinwiddie Phenomenal. Can't, 16 points in the final minute of regulation and overtime. That stat from Brian Lewis at the post. Um, just watching that game again, like, I felt like they had no chance. I mean, they were down by, what was it? I have it right here. They were down, down by like seven. In-
1: yeah. Okay.
0: Well, they, they were down by 13 with four minutes left. They're down by six right. with 28 seconds left. They were down by seven in overtime. There were, like, all these moments in the game when the Nets were up by, what was it, like, 15 in the first quarter at one point, And they were hitting everything, and then it went even, the Rockets went up, the Rockets went up by even more, and then the Nets furiously came back. Um, can't make a big enough deal about just, like, the span of time over the past, what is it, 45 days, how different the Nets have gone from being a team that blows these games to then going on the road against the MVP – a hot team, and then winning—you know—it's it's awesome. It's just there's what's that's the analysis, right? Nice, it's awesome. Nice. I think we should leave it there. All right. So nice, nice part of the schedule coming up. A lot of winnable games. Three games against the Magic. They play the Kings, the Knicks, Bulls at home. Road for Boston and the Spurs. Obviously, those are tough games.
1: Mike, we might be going to this Kings game. Keep your keep your eye on my on the texts.
0: Oh, and we did get invited to sit at least by one of the members of the Brooklyn Brigade, we got invited to sit with them in a game, which we may have to do um, a- as this continues. Well, on Twitter? When did that happen? Um, it happened before the Rockets game. I, I was tweeting at someone, because they had heard, obviously, our, our love for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes. Oh, and I didn't mention off the top, this is an emergency pod. forgot. I'm sorry. Emergency pod. Um, that's it, Brian.
1: Great takes. Mike, you did it again. Thanks for having me on.
0: (laughs) Great to talk to you. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Shabbat shalom.
1: Yeah, boy.